Hello everyone, um, my name is Ethan, and today I'm going to be starting a podcast series, I think, maybe called Oops. Uh, <laughs> this is, of course, in reference to the fact that through my entire life, I've always been told that I have been overly opinionated about something, regardless of the topic or whatever it is. And so today, just because I wasn't doing anything very important, I just thought I'd uh, start a podcast for no reason. And um, I'm not really going to like modify or like cut or, you know, do all the fancy stuff to make it sound nice. I'm just going to speak for, I guess, 30 minutes and just see how it goes. Um, I guess I'm going to maybe use this as a sort of like, I don't know, therapy session or like diary or some sorts or just a way to get all of my thoughts outside of my brain Um, because through the, uh, the hardship of the pandemic that many people are facing, uh, my personal hardship, I guess, is, uh, I guess, being lonely. Um, but I've been lonely for a while, which I guess we can talk about. <laughs> so let's go. So for today's podcast, I guess I'm going to start by talking about empathy. Um, empathy is something that I think a lot of people are struggling with right now during the pandemic. And I guess maybe something that I can help shed some light on, I guess. Um, Empathy is something that I think I've felt my entire life. Um, I've tried to, you know, be there for people when they, when I need, when they need, when they need me to be, or whenever, like, you know, I, I feel like they need help, things like that. But the idea of empathy is somewhat vague in my mind. It's more of a feeling rather than just like a concept or a topic of discussion, which makes this, I guess, a bad choice for our first episode, but nonetheless, I'm going to do it. Um, so I was having a, back during the school year, I had a conversation with one of my roommates about how I feel empathy for people. And one of the things that I touched upon was creating a wall. There's always a wall between me and someone else. I feel like it's an imaginary wall. And like like any other wall, it, it needs to have supports. It needs to have, you know, concrete poles. It needs to have, you know, um, like things to make it stand up correctly. Um, imagine, I guess, maybe when you're going to the theater, um, watching a theater play and you see the backdrop. Um, and it's painted on one side. It looks like it's, you know, like it's, it's designed to where it looks like it's like 3D. You can look out into the vast part of the, of the, um, of the wall, of the design on the wall. But on the back side of it, it's held by little railings or little, you know, bags of weight that keep it from falling over. And for me, um, whenever I feel my emotions towards someone, let's say I get very angry at them. Um, for me, the wall has those things. It has the railings that are pushed up against it to keep it sturdy. It has the concrete, you know, poles and it has the, the bags of weight trying to, you know, keep the wall sturdy enough so I can feel my emotions without getting hurt. And through empathy, I guess, the wall, uh, when I feel it from other people, uh, when I feel anger, I guess, from other people, the, those things aren't there. The wall is just, uh, it's just standing there. It's like it's a brick structure just put together brick by brick. There's holes in it. You can see through it. Um, it's not very well designed. It's not very well laid out. And so for me, as I guess uh, an aspiring young adult, um, 
those things have been crucial in determining my own anger, my own frustrations or my own interests or my sadness, happiness, all those things. If I know that if the wall is not there, if those structures keeping up the wall are not there, then it's most likely not my real emotions. Um, the point in which I'm talking about this, uh, I guess I didn't explain very well is empathy is the idea that you feel for another person. You, it's not sympathy, it's, it's that you truly feel like in your heart and soul, the emotions that someone else is feeling. And through my life, I think that one of the ways that it's been hard for me to connect with people is because that wall has always been set up. Um, I guess maybe as a kid, the, the constant walls of like, is this my emotion? Is this someone else's emotion? How am I feeling these feelings? Why am I feeling these feelings? Was also, it was always a struggle. So I've always tried to stay away from people and, and in turn, I guess, created my, uh, my own version of loneliness and, you know, self-fortitude and acting like a hermit, some would say now. Um, but I was watching this really interesting YouTube video the other day about, you know, like what truly is empathy and what are the notes that I took upon uh, that, that, was, that, I, that I wrote down was the idea of relational empathy and it relates emotions from another's position to my own emotional experiences. And then therefore I determine based on relative experiences what that emotion should be or is in relation to my own bias. So <clears throat> for example, when I look at someone and I, and I feel anger coming from them, it's, it's kind of weird because they, I, I, I have no idea why they're angry, uh, but I just get so angry from them being angry. And the wall, although it's there, it's, it's already built. So I, I can't tear it down, you know, unless I break down all these different things, unless I go get a sledgehammer of, you know, my own thoughts trying to tear the wall down. So one of the things that relational empathy does, it, it makes connections in my mind of being, okay, well, they're angry, therefore they're angry because of this and this reason, or they're angry because maybe I did something or they're angry because uh, I did this or that. And, um, excuse me, let, let me just read this. Yeah, so based on those actions of what I think they might've done, I have created a relative emotion for what I think they are experiencing. Uh, that's a little bit convoluted, um, but let's say like, you know, if I was a child and then I stubbed my toe and I know the feeling of that, maybe I would relate my feeling of what I felt to them in that certain situation and maybe they, act as if, you know, they're feeling as if they stub their toe, you know, metaphorically. Um, I'm not very sure about it right now. I'm still trying to figure out a lot of about like versions of empathy and versions of trying to understand someone through their own eyes, as I think many humans should do. And it's hard for people to do. Um, and yeah, um, the next thing I guess I wanna talk about uh, is this book called The Infinite Noise by Lauren Shippen. It's actually become one of my favorite books right now. Um, I, don't, I don't know when it was made, probably, it has to be made, been made around like the past two or three years. It's probably not very old. And 
it's about relationship between two high school boys, of course, uh, you know, me being the member of the LGBTQ community. Um, and it's about one person who has like a superpower, I guess, of empathy. And this guy, he tries to go through his days where he doesn't try and experience anyone, anyone else's feelings, but it's really, really hard to. For example, like, you know, in high school, there's so many emotions going around, whether it be, you know, puberty or love or relationships or, you know, any kind of thing, like struggles in schools, struggles at home. So many of those emotions can get wrapped up inside your brain. And that's similar to the way I felt whenever I was in school, where constantly the reason why I didn't like to be around people, the reason why I tried to have a small friend group or the reason why I guess maybe I tried to disassociate myself from certain you know, like places or people or things is because the emotions of those people were just too strong and I couldn't deal with them. Um, that being said, there is of course a little bit of um, like, you know, cause it is a fan fantasy, fantasy book and a fictional book about how he relates to sort of these feelings. He, he relates it to colors, which I think is also really an interesting topic that I'm also gonna talk about with me as well. He relates people's emotions to colors where um, the person he likes, the, you know, because it's also about a love story, the person he likes always has a blue sort of ocean wave calming effect. Um, but the character has very like severe depression. And it's not a sort of blue that feels like it's too dark and too scary. It's a sort of common blue where they always, where that person's emotions are always calm. They're always, because that person, uh, because the love interest is like, you know, sort of depressed, <laughs> their emotions are always muted. And honestly, like, it sounds like a dream for me. <laughs> um, because the, the idea that like, I don't have to constantly be experiencing other people's emotions 24 seven. And the idea that I could just be with someone and be calm, uh, their calmness reflected back onto me would be, would make me, you know, subconsciously calm. Uh, sounds amazing. And one of the reasons why I like the book so much is because it really talks about the fact that, you know, if this person goes out into like, uh, the main character is a football player, which I think is very interesting because uh, I've never really, you know, like I don't have a lot of experience with like football or sports or things like that. <laughs> um, when he goes to play the, the emotions of his like, uh, I was about to say colleagues, but his, uh, <laughs> I really don't know sports, his teammates, his teammates, um, they're always angry uh, because they're playing sports and I always have to hit people, I guess, or I always have to be constantly on the move or running from something. Um, they're always just so angry and it makes him angry for no reason. And he starts to lash out at people um, versus as the person he likes, uh, as the love interest, everything is muted and he can finally sit down and experience the world through a lens that isn't scary anymore, the lens that isn't forcing him to feel this or that. It's just truly allowing him to be himself. And I think that's really important. Um, I really like the way Lauren Shippen, the author, um, they integrated not only a love story, but with like a next level idea of what emotions could be. I think that's also very important. And the next level experience of like the human experience, for example, that's also another big issue that I think was really cool and talked about in the book. And uh, yeah, 
So at this point, um, I wanted to shift gears because I don't want to be talking about the same thing for 30 minutes. So I'm going to pause for a moment uh, and then I will figure out another topic to talk about and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. It was probably just a moment for you, but I spent like five minutes thinking about the topic. Um, and I realized that I, I said I was going to talk about sympathy, or no, excuse me, um, synesthesia, uh, which was something like seeing the colors of this and that um, earlier in the earlier in the in the conversation. So I think I'll continue. So synesthesia, um, it's kind of a weird and fantastical and mesmerizing and really cool idea of how people perceive the world through different colors, sounds noises or noises and sounds are the same thing but noises and touch smell um all those things are just connected and um i found before just you know researchers researching little bits here and there that a lot of musicians actually have this um like ability like the synesthesia ability like it's a superpower and um for example i think there was one uh person like billy eilish which is like you know like a very like cotton hot and cool topic to to reference with all the kids listening um what she does is she uses her synesthesia to map out the connections between music and i guess maybe like notes or sounds and that's why her her music is so good is because she can i guess connect things that most normal i quote normal people cannot you know experience um and i guess i can talk about my experience with synesthesia so for me, I've always done it. It's kind of like the idea of like, um, you know, like you're always, you've always known you're, you know, you're gay on the inside if you didn't even know the word. Uh, or like, you know, you've always known that you like this without even, you know, understanding why. It's just always something a part of like your soul or your personality that you've always understood to be true, but you don't have the words to explain it. Um, I didn't really understand what it was and re until recently, maybe like two years ago in college. And um, one of the things that kind of sparked it was, I think, um, mm, this is a little bit interesting to talk about, but I think one of the things that really got me like understanding it was when I started to learn languages, like more and more, you know, like importantly, like more and more like, like as a future job, like as a career, as you know, like a major focus of academia, academia and things like that, uh, major academic focus, excuse me. And um, one of the things that I started to notice was in English through my entire life, every letter has a color. That's what synesthesia does. It relates colors to like letters, for example, or it relates colors to smells. Like for example, the color brown smells like you know earth and dirt or you know the color uh purple smells like lilacs you know simple things like that but for people who have synesthesia it's a constant thing and so for me when learning english at such a young age through my entire life um i started to connect letters to colors so for example with the easiest example uh my name, for example, is E-T-H-A-N. The E is a green color, the T is a yellow color, the H is a brown color, the A is a red color, and the N is a black color. So how it all kind of morphs together is it's kind of like a blend. Imagine if you're on like, I guess maybe like Photoshop or like Word or, you know, like a painting application and you 
plus press like the blur button and you blur it across. Imagine you had all those colors, the, the green, the yellow, the brown, the red, the black, and you pit, uh, you got the blur feature and you just blurred it once. That's kind of what it looks like in my brain where it's not, it's not, uh, it's not like fonts. It's not like the color when you type, if you're typing, you know, like, and if you type each letter out, um, it's not one singular color, like boom, 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 boom. It's kind of like a, a flowing, <laughs> a flowing blur, I guess. Um, and so that was always really interesting. And whenever I started to learn languages more like officially, I noticed I could do it also with other languages as well. Um, I know there's a lot of people who don't, you know, like are not learning the languages that I'm learning. So for example, like the letter um, in Japanese, there's like a sound called ah, you know, like, you know, every, you know, like English has the sound ah too, but you know, just for reference, uh, I guess like maybe like Atari, like the, like the game console, like the gaming, uh, the gaming brand Atari. The A is red, the T is uh, yellow, and the A is red, and then the R is black, and then the R is, or the I is white. And so I started to associate this, those colors. So it's like, you know, like a blurry reddish, you know, whitish blackish color. And then when I live where I learned like kanji, for example, which is the character system for Japanese, I was able to remember that character in how it was said, I guess, and how it was written in my brain with the colors associated to that character. And for Chinese, for example, um, I don't know, like the, the word for shui, like water. Um, the S, because of the way it's written in pinyin, which is like the, I guess, which is the like, the, I forgot the word, I shouldn't, my, my professors would be so upset that I forget the word. Uh, for how to explain this. It's just using Roman, it's Romanized. It's the Romanized version of how it might sound to like a Western speaker or a Western listener. Um, and so it's, uh, it's S-H-U-I for shui, it's water. And so the S is yellow, the H is brown and the U is like a purplish, pinkish, reddish and the an I is white. Uh, but the other thing is that the character itself doesn't look like that pinkish reddish it's it's water so in my brain it relates to the color blue so it's a light color blue and in the character form but in the written out form is something completely different um which is incredibly strange and weird but something i guess many people who have synesthesia often you know have to deal with um it's it's kind of difficult to explain and i understand that maybe it's not the best topic to talk about but it's just something interesting and I thought would be really cool to talk about. Um, for example, the word empathy um, that we talked about earlier. The E is green, the M is uh, blue, the P is purple, um, the A is red, and the T is yellow, the H is brown, and the Y is white. And so the word empathy has so many different colors in it. It's, it, it creates such a wonderful rainbow of colors. And for me, it really feels much more than just um, a word it feels it feels like a feeling that the word empathy feels like a feeling and that's why uh, I guess maybe um, some maybe that's also something that I do with words is that's another part of synesthesia is relating feelings to words or letters or numbers like the number seven could be like a brutish you know mean gentleman <laughs> or the letter nine could be a woman you know who is lovely and dandy and and cares about everything that she does with such great passion. 
Um, and so maybe words also have certain feelings that are associated with them. Um, one of the things that I absolutely hate, I guess, like hate, hate, uh, one of the words is clearance. <laughs> um, spelled like for the name, but I guess also for like the store, when you go to a store and it's like clearance, like everything's on clearance or like on sale. That, that name is just so utterly disgusting and I don't know why. I, I cringe when I hear that name or when I hear like when I go into a score, store and I read the word clearance, just <laughs> it gives me shivers. Um, and uh, the reason why is just such is such a ugly, muted, like dirty color. I don't know how else to explain it, the word. Um, it has a bunch of yellowish, dark, dark brown, just grimy, like sewagey type of color. Um, and whenever I hear the word clearance, I just feel like someone's like pricking the back of my neck. I don't know why. Maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I died from someone named Clarence. Someone named Clarence killed me in a past life. I don't know, something. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit on synesthesia and uh, empathy. Um, I have a few more minutes remaining. So I thought I'd just uh, give me one more second and I'll find one quick topic to talk about as something that is a little bit fun and not so serious for the first episode. All right, I, I waited like two seconds. Let's talk about tea because I'm trying to become a tea person. And honestly, I don't like it. And I'm trying to force myself to drink tea because I want to be like, you know, like super trendy, you know, you know, and love tea. And, and, you know, I like, you know, I love feeling the naturalness of the tea, you know, consume my body and revitalize my energies and my chakras and, and whatever. Um, but it's just really nasty. The only teas that I like are like fruity teas and like berry type things or beverages, ones that have like a citrus flavor. All the ones like green tea or matcha or like black tea or excuse me, Earl Grey tea or you know, things like that. It just tastes like dirt and like not even good dirt. <laughs> it just tastes like someone just took a handful of like the nasty, like if you go to an old tree, right? Uh, it's like the top soil layer dirt that's just like dry. And, you know, like if you pick up like a, if you know those little rocks that are just made out of dirt and somehow it's clumped together by something, but if you press it, it like breaks into a million pieces. It, it, it feels and tastes like that. And I just can't get into it. And I'm gonna try my best too in the future because I wanna be that type of person that enjoys tea. But I feel like it's just such, a waste of time <laughs> to enjoy tea. I don't know. Because like water, right? It's essentially just flavored water. It is literally just flavored water. And I I just don't know how to feel about it. Because why would I drink water that has dirt in it? You know, it's just that's my that's my mentality. And I just want to like relax and enjoy a cup of tea but here's the thing also I hate hot stuff like I hate hot drinks like I whenever I get my food I do not eat it when it first comes out I always wait like maybe like five minutes for it to cool down to like lower the room temperature maybe around room temperature. if I say lower the room temperature people are gonna think I'm weird I'll just say room temperature 
And what I do is I just constantly like, I don't want to drink hot shit. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, like I don't. Like, I guess I'm from the South and it's always hot. I want to drink cold stuff, but here's the thing. Cold tea tastes nasty. It tastes as if someone took a, you know, like when you go to the doctor and they use those little things to put down your tongue so they can see in the back of your throat. Imagine using a metal one, right? And you, and you taste that metally taste. That's what it feels like whenever I drink cold tea. I guess maybe like the iron in the water. I don't know, something overpowers the flavor of the tea. It just doesn't taste good. So cold tea don't taste good. And I don't want to drink hot tea. What can I do to drink tea? There's, I can't do anything. So that's my current dilemma. Um, and I've asked people for Christmas during COVID, by, by people, I just mean my, my stepmom and my mom, to get me a tea so I can try it out. But here's the thing, I'm not looking forward to it. I mean, I am, but I'm not. I want to enjoy the tea, but I, I don't want to just sit there and drink tea. You know, like I want to be doing something cool, but I feel like the whole point of tea is to be relaxing. So I'm going to have to figure that out. That's my own personal, you know, like Victor or something like something that I have to like learn about and be victorious over. Also, hold on. I have, I have some tea right now. I'm quick. Also one other thing. Because uh, the last five minutes are just rambling minutes. We'll do that for every episode. The last five minutes are just for rambling. And um, I'm drinking blueberry and green tea. It's supposed to be like, I don't know, help, help you lose weight or whatever. And I think it maybe is helping. I'm trying to like, you know, get fit, you know, live the, you know, like the, live the fit life, you know, drink, drink good things for you, eat good things. Um, so just for the people who enjoy tea, let me give you some ASMR. Hold on. <laughs> okay, I hope you liked it. Anyway, um, I have 30 seconds left. So to end this episode, thank you for just listening. You don't have to. This is just for me. Um, if you give, if you want me to, you can, if you want to, you can send me some suggestions. Um, but like I said, this is just for rambling. Um, and like, you know, like, oh, the, like I said, the whole point of this, this podcast is like, oops, for me to be overly opinionated about something. Uh, which is essentially just what the last five minutes were. So if you enjoy that, please listen more. But if not, you don't have to. All right, well, have a good day.